what kind of stories do you want to tell? As travel journalists, we need to have a really good understanding of what lights up our own fire and what kind of stories we would like to tell. Because then you will be able to zero in your focus on those areas of interest that really help you tell the types of stories that you want to tell. Welcome to the Genius Women Podcast. I'm your host, Yulia Denisuk, an award-winning travel photographer and writer with work in some incredible publications like National Geographic, Far Magazine, and more. And this year, you'll see my name in places like Condé Nast Traveler. I'm on a mission to help other women who want to grow their travel storytelling careers go after their dreams while feeling supported, worthy, and bold. If you're ready to ditch your fear and doubt to the side, step into your brilliance and take action on your dreams, you're in the right place. Let's go. Throughout the last five years, I've been getting a lot of questions from people who are interested in doing what I do, traveling, telling stories, and getting those stories published in travel publications. This year, as I've been dipping my toes into the Buzzing Clubhouse app and hosting my travel media talks there, I've been getting even more questions. So today on the podcast, I'd like to cover some of those questions I often get. And if you want an opportunity to ask me your questions live, make sure to join me for my upcoming workshop on Wednesday, April 21st at 2 p.m. Eastern New York time called How to Get Your Travel Stories Published. In that live workshop, I'm going to cover the strategies I used to get published and we'll get into questions as well. Go to geniuswomen.com slash workshop to register. Okay, let's get into today's episode. Probably one of the most common questions I often get is, how do you pitch publications? And the iteration of that question that often shows up in my Instagram DMs is, how do you work with National Geographic? People really want to know, how do you get published at publications like National Geographic and like some of those other magazines that I've been really fortunate and grateful to work with? So pitching publications is a big topic, and there is a lot of different sides to this question. And by the way, this is something that we're going to get into in our workshop on Wednesday, April 21. So if that's a question that's on your mind, make sure to sign up. But if I were to answer this question in sort of one succinct paragraph, I would say that pitching publications comes down to doing your homework, really doing your homework. And by that, what I mean is that You have to know the publication that you're pitching before you approach them. You have to read them. You have to sort of understand the types of stories that they're usually publishing. You have to sort of understand who is the audience that this publication is speaking to and understand how your stories will fit into that publication. Oftentimes I hear that question, right? How do I work with National Geographic? I want to be published in National Geographic. But the question that needs to be asked first is, do I have stories that would fit with what National Geographic is usually publishing? 
We have to spend some time understanding how the stories that we want to pitch fit with the publications that we are approaching. And if you're able to do that, then I guarantee you that you're going to be so much ahead of a lot of other people who are just sort of sending, copy-pasting pitches and sending the same pitch to a lot of different publications without reading the publications first, without understanding what kind of stories they usually publish, and without understanding how their particular story is going to fit into that publication. So in one sort of short, succinct paragraph, I would say that pitching publication is all about doing your homework. It's all about doing your homework. And then beyond that, you can really make your pitch stand out in the process of pitching if you are able to answer three important questions. Why now? Why me? And why this publication? And those three questions really set the scene for the editor that's going to read your pitch in understanding why this story that you're pitching them, why does it deserve, why do they need to say yes to it, and why do they need to go ahead and publish that story? So why now? Why does the story need to be told right now? Why me? Why are you the person to tell the story? And why this publication? Why does the story need to be told in this particular publication? And when you do your homework of researching this publication, of reading it, of understanding their stories, answering those three questions will be much easier for you. So that's probably the most common question that I often get is, is that, how do you pitch publication? The question that follows closely after is, do I need a big following, a big Instagram following, let's say, in order to succeed in this career? And iteration of that question is, does having an Instagram following help me get published? Luckily, for those of us who don't have huge Instagram followings, the answer to that is unequivocal no. You don't need a big following on Instagram or anywhere else in order to succeed in this career because editors of publications that you want to work with, they are not interested in your social media following. They are interested in your ideas. They are interested in publishing stories in their publications that fit with their priorities, with their strategies, with the audiences that they try to serve. So that's what's important to them. They're looking for you to bring them ideas, not bring them the numbers of your social media following. Of course, it helps, right? So when you're already working with a publication and let's say your story is about to be published, then of course the editor might say, hey, you know, the story is about to go live. Will you help us promote it? Will you share it in your social following? And of course, that's a nice sort of perk to have if you have a sizable audience that you can share the story with. But it's absolutely not the criteria through which your stories will or will not get accepted at publications. They, they don't look at that. So if you don't have a big following, if you don't have a super, let's say, engaged or big Instagram or any other social media platform following, don't let that stop you because that's absolutely not a criteria by which editors are going to judge your stories. And I think the reason why people often ask me this question is because what they often think about when they think about this idea of travel and storytelling, they think about content creators. 
And in fact, in one of the, since we mentioned Clubhouse earlier, in one of the rooms I had on Clubhouse recently, we got into this discussion of the difference between travel journalists and content creators, because truthfully, the lines are quite blurry these days between the two, right? And I've definitely served in a capacity of a content creator several times when I engaged with different brands and did some sponsored content for them. But by and large, my first priority and my focus is being a travel journalist. But I think that's why that question is often asked, right? Because we see a lot of travel content creators on Instagram. We don't see a lot of travel journalists on Instagram or or they're not as visible on the platform. And so we sort of assume that we need that big following in order to be successful in the travel media career, but we absolutely don't. And by the way, here's a little shout out to Jess Vincent, who was our guest on the podcast last week, because Jess is doing something to actually fix that visibility issue. She has a weekly series on Instagram, IGTV, called Inside Travel Media, where she interviews and profiles people in the industry who are doing absolutely interesting and wonderful things in the travel media world. So, you know, with efforts like this, hopefully that visibility issue is going to be fixed. But so, yes, you don't need a big following in order to succeed in this career. So don't let that stop you. Question number three that I often get is, how do you get invited on press trips? And press trips are those coveted opportunities in which we go on assignments to some incredible places around the world where all of the expenses are fully covered, including flights, hotels, meals, and all of that good stuff. Of course, it's an incredible experience to be hosted on one of those press trips. I know that a lot of people sort of view this experience as one of their dream opportunities for sure. So the question I get is, how do you get invited on press trips? To answer that question, we sort of have to come back again to that conversation of being a content creator, travel content creator, versus being a travel journalist. Because actually both of those roles, people in those in both of those positions go on press trips. Travel content creators get hosted by destinations, by hotels, by travel companies all the time. And so do journalists. So that's uh, one of the more common ways in which we are able to travel and seek out those stories and then later pitch those stories to publications. As a travel journalist, one of the ways in which I found to be the most useful to be invited on a press trip is through good old-fashioned networking good old-fashioned making connections and introducing yourself to people who will be making those decisions. Understand that going on a press trip, it's not just a fun experience to have for a travel journalist. This is work, actually, right? You're there to seek a story. You're there to gather content, gather your materials so that you're later able to pitch that story to a publication and get a placement and a mention of that destination in the publication, because ultimately that's why you are there on that press trip, right? A destination, let's say a tourism board, like let's say New York tourism board or Paris tourism board, 
they have a annual plan in which they say, you know, this year we want to make sure we increase our media coverage by X, Y, and Z. And we want to make sure we get mentions in this and this and this and this publication. I'm just making this up because I was never actually sitting in those meetings where those conversations happen. But I, I imagine that that's how those conversations would go. And then they look at their contacts and their database and they say, okay, who do we know who can get us a placement in this particular publication? Or which journalists from the pool of contacts that we have can we tap in order to make this annual strategy and this annual plan happen? So it's always a collaboration, right? So I, what I'm trying to say here is that destinations, they have strategies and they have goals that they need to meet. And we journalists, we help them meet those goals by going on those press trips and by pitching those stories later on to different publications. But then to the question of how do you get invited on those press trips, it's again through that old-fashioned networking and building relationships. And one of the most effective ways in which I found it to happen is by showing up at different conferences. There's a lot of conferences that happen throughout the year, all around the globe, in different countries that you can go to, you know, and now you can attend virtually and make connections and start establishing yourself later on, following up and seeing if there's an opportunity to collaborate together. So that's how I was able to go to places like Rwanda, Dominican Republic, China, and some other incredible destinations from those conferences that I went to. I introduced myself. I sort of pitched what I'm able to offer to destinations and you know what kind of publications I work with. And later on, we started building our relationships. So that's how it works. And a lot of times, the people who represent those tourism boards, they actually work for public relations companies. And they tend to move from one public relations agency to another. Perhaps somebody that you worked with a couple of years ago on a trip to China is now working at this other agency and they represent, let's say, Spain. And so if you have a good working relationship with that person, they're going to pull you through when they change their assignments and they're going to keep in contact with you and you're going to be able to have a lot of different and interesting opportunities. So all of this is to say that the relationship building and being uh, professional and cordial and nice and, you know, of course, also fulfilling on your obligations and pitching stories and making those assignments happen, all of those things are going to help you in building great relationships with destinations and with PR companies so that you can get invited on more press trips, more interesting press trips and things like that. So that's the short answer to this question, which I could spend a lot of time talking about for sure. Another question that I often get is, where do you find story ideas? Where do you find story ideas? And I love that question, actually, because in this field, um, in travel media, we do deal with ideas. That's how we make our work, right? We pitch ideas to publications and we make those stories happen. But where do you actually find those ideas? For me, the answer is that inspiration for story ideas can come from literally anywhere. 
literally anywhere. And one of the best ways I found is to always be open and always reserve a place in your mind to be on the lookout for ideas because you just never know when that inspiration can strike you. One of the stories that I often share with people is that the idea for a Turkish Iznik Tiles articles that I did for Afar magazine, one of my most favorite stories to date, I'll link to it to this episode so you can check it out, The idea for that story came from uh, a blog post that I read actually from a friend of mine who posted about one of those Turkish tiles being sold at an auction for an incredibly high amount of money. That sounded intriguing to me. So I, you know, I Googled it, I researched more about it, and I realized that there is this story about these Turkish tiles that is waiting to be told. And I wanted to be the one to tell that story. So It's just one quick example of how you can find story ideas. But I think a question to ask, even before you ask, where do you find story ideas? The question to ask would be, what kind of stories do you want to tell? As travel journalists, we need to have a really good understanding of what lights up our own fire and what kind of stories we would like to tell. Because then you will be able to zero in your focus on those areas of interest that really help you tell the types of stories that you want to tell. What do I mean by that? Let's say that you want to tell stories about architecture, different incredible architects all throughout different countries in the world. That's something that really interests you. So it might be a smart move for you to sign up for different newsletters of different architectural agencies, perhaps, or of different architectural magazines, so that you keep abreast with all of the different things that are happening in the architecture world, right? So then as you're trying to develop stories at the intersect of travel and architecture, you will be able to get some ideas and some inspiration perhaps from some of these sources. So when you know what kind of stories you want to tell, you will be able to direct your focus into those areas and pay attention to what's happening with those areas and be able to get your ideas that way. And then, of course, plain old-fashioned travel as well. When you go to a new destination, what I usually do is I always Google what's happening in the destination that I'm about to travel to. But again, what's happening with respect to the specific verticals and specific interest areas that I have, that I want to tell stories on, right? Not not sort of this overall, very wide blanketed statement of, you know, what's happening in Guatemala. But no, it's what's happening in Guatemala with respect to architecture, what's happening in Guatemala right now with respect to food, with respect to museums, perhaps, or anything else that you might be interested in. So before asking, where do you find story ideas? The answer for that is anywhere, really. It's about being curious about the world and about life happening around you. The question to ask before that is, what kind of stories do you want to tell so that you can focus yourself a little bit better? So far, we covered four different questions. How do you pitch publications? 
Do you need a big following in order to succeed in this career? How do you get invited on press trips? And where do you find story ideas? And again, if you want to get a deeper dive into some of these and other questions, make sure to sign up for the upcoming workshop that I'm holding on Wednesday, April 21st at 2 p.m. Eastern New York time called How to Get Your Travel Stories Published, because in that workshop, you'll be able to ask me your questions as well, and we can have a robust conversation together as well. You can go to geniuswomen.com slash workshop to register for that workshop. But I want to close today's episode with a question that I also get a lot. This question is probably one of the most important ones to hear and answer to. That question is, drum roll, how do you deal with rejections, right? How do you deal with rejections? Because the reality of travel journalism is that you will be reaching out to a lot of publications. You will be pitching your ideas to a lot of different magazines. And oftentimes, you won't be hearing back from them. Or you will be hearing back and they will say, thanks, but no thanks. How do you recover from that? And how do you keep going? And how do you not place judgment on that occurrence of getting a rejection? How do you not place a judgment on it that will stop you in your tracks? This is a very, very important question because oftentimes... I see this so much where we internalize those rejections to mean that we're not good enough, that we don't have good ideas, that we're not cut out for this job, that we have no idea what we're doing. There's just so many things that swirl through our minds when we get a rejection. It's hard, right? It's really hard. It's For humans, it's really hard to hear a no and to experience someone else saying, you know, I don't want whatever it is that you're offering. This is really hard for us humans. So, you know, first of all, it's absolutely normal that you're feeling this way, but let's unpack that and let's find a way to go through a rejection that doesn't stop you from pursuing this dream and from reaching out to people and from making sure that you go on. So how do you do that? Well, one of the most important things that you can do for yourself is really internalize that rejection absolutely doesn't mean that your story idea wasn't good, that you are no good, that you have no idea what you're talking about. The reality is that when you pitch a publication with a story idea, Now, assuming you did the homework, right? Because remember, going back to question number one, how do you pitch publications? You do your homework, you research, you read the publication, you understand how the story will fit with their strategies and whatever they're trying to do. Assuming you did those things and you sent out your pitch and your pitch got rejected, it's absolutely not a reflection on you or your story idea. What it is a reflection of is that there are so many different factors that can be at play here. A lot of times when editors get pitches and they get new ideas, they have an internal meeting in which all of the editors get together and they discuss, they debate, they pitch internally all those different story ideas, and then they decide, sometimes collectively, sometimes an editor at large will decide what gets published, what gets accepted, and what doesn't. 
So imagine that you sent your pitch in and there's 10 people in the room and they're all debating and they're all discussing and they're all trying to figure out what it is that they're going to publish. There are so many considerations at that point that are happening. There is budget. There is, you know, things that they've covered in the past. You pitched a story uh, about Germany here, but somebody else is pitching a story about Austria here. And maybe it's a bit too close right now. And maybe they will prefer to do Austria right now. And, you know, they, they did Germany two years ago and it's still too early to bring back Germany. Do you see what I mean? There's just so many different things that they're discussing. There are so many different factors. And so at the end, ultimately, they decide that your Germany pitch is not a good fit right now. And they send you that rejection. When you make that mean that your Germany idea was wrong or was bad and that your Germany idea wasn't good enough or that you are not good enough because you just got a rejection, the only person you're making a disservice to in that situation is yourself. It's absolutely just yourself because when you get that rejection and you feel bad about your idea and about yourself and about this effort that you just went through, you're going to be that much less likely to pick yourself up, to pick up that pitch and to send it somewhere else and to find a different home for it and to even perhaps come back to this editor with another story idea, right? You're going to be that much less likely to do that because you're feeling bad. You just got a validation that your story idea is bad, that you're no good. Don't do that. Please don't do that. The only person you're making a disservice when you do that is yourself. You have no idea what goes on in those editorial rooms. You have no idea the factors. You just have no visibility into any of that. The sooner you learn how to stop making those judgments own yourself or own your ideas when you get rejection, the better your career will be. Because again, you don't know what's happening in those rooms. You have no visibility to that. So when you get a rejection, just take that rejection, take that pitch, send it somewhere else and approach this editor again with another story idea. And that's really the best way to deal with rejections, to move forward and to make sure that you continue pitching and continue sending your ideas out there and making inroads in this dream of yours of becoming a travel storyteller. So I actually think that out of the five questions that we covered today, this last one of dealing with rejections is probably the most important one. I hope that it can be useful to you, even if it's not about pitching a magazine, right? Because we deal with rejections in our daily life all the time. People tell us no all the time in all kinds of different situations. And so the sooner we can learn how to not make it about an internal judgment on ourselves, the better we will be. I hope that this episode was useful to you today. And if you want to know more about pitching your stories to travel publications, join us in our workshop on Wednesday, April 21st at 2 p.m. Eastern New York time. Thank you so much for sharing an hour of your day with us today. I hope you found this episode useful to you. And if so, please consider leaving us a review so that more listeners could find our show. Thanks again, and I'll see you next week for a very special conversation with photographer Vanessa Dusen. 
And don't forget, on Wednesday, April 21st at 2 p.m. Eastern New York time, I'm running a workshop called How to Get Your Travel Stories Published. If you're interested in learning more, go to geniuswomen.com workshop to register. I'll see you soon.